0: hello welcome welcome back to we disagree we disagree with nick and cosmo i'm nick and i'm cosmo and this is the podcast where two idiots take stupid questions way too
1: seriously how are you doing cosmo i'm pretty good i'm pretty good how are you nick uh it you know it's been a weird day but uh yeah
0: let me let me ask you something are you feeling happy
1: yeah, I would say so. I'm like generally content That's right good. now, and That's most good. of the time. Well, are you?
0: Oh, you can't ask ask me something like that, Nick. <laughs> can't ask me something so personal, <laughs> so soon in the pod. <laughs> well, I asked because it's our uh, it's our theme this week is happiness. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, I'm indifferent to it. Indifferent to happiness. Yeah. Well, not. As, I didn't mean that as a concept. Yeah. Although, now that you mention it... <laughs> Maybe we'll get into it. I feel like uh, in order to be happy, you can only do that with the spirit of indifference to happiness. It's one of those things that if you go about seeking it the most straightforward way, if you try to attain happiness by attaining happiness Mm -hmm. it's really counterproductive but if you can kind of master that like zen like indifference to it then you paradoxically can acquire it i mean what do you mean like 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 you need to you
0: know focus on something else like people who are really into people gain happiness maybe through hobbies because they're just focusing on not being happy Or not focusing?
1: Yeah, I think that happiness is not strong enough to stand as an end in itself. That it is the feeling of satisfaction that happens when another end has been realized. Mm. And so... um,
0: Well, you you know what
1: Schopenhauer says about happiness? No, I don't.
0: He says, happiness is only the momentary alleviation of desire. Just at that moment where you achieve something you desire for just a moment you are you are happy and then you you launch right back into the suffering of desiring other things that you can't have
1: hmm i disagree
0: okay well the name of the podcast isn't we disagree with schopenhauer (laughs) although i'm sure we would have enough content for that we
1: disagree (laughs) with nick and cosmo and arthur (laughs) is that his name arthur schopenhauer right I didn't. I, I
0: didn't know his first name. Wait, I have to Google this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at that, Arthur Schopenhauer. I would never have guessed he had such a normie name. He doesn't
1: strike you as an Arthur. <laughs>
0: no. Well, I. Uh, do you do you like any songs about happiness?
1: Uh, no.
0: No. <laughs> well. Do you? Yes. You know, it was actually very difficult to find a song about happiness. Similar to what you're saying about being happy is really about focusing on something else. All songs that are about happiness are really about something else. Uh-huh. But I have found one that I enjoy that is not Happy by Pharrell. That is, a, I really think is about pure happiness.
1: Oh, I know one that I like. What? Happy Birthday.
0: <laughs> it's not about. That's not even about happiness you can sing happy birthday <laughs> on a sad birthday
1: <laughs> well then it would be a lie
0: i guess I you guess. think
1: that just because it's your birthday you have a blank check to run around telling lies to people
0: no you you have an obligation to do it even if <laughs> someone is sad it is your obligation to say happy birthday i mean do you it's think it's
1: birthday. in good taste to sing happy birthday if your birthday is 9 11.
0: yes i think <laughs> it still is i think it, no matter what day Maybe not on, you know, 2001. Maybe, no, even then. Really? Even then, yeah. People, people certainly sang happy birthday in a, in a sad way. Well, anyways, the, the song that I'm bringing to you is Feeling Good, not sure who wrote it, popularized by Nina Simone, Oh. Repopularized by Michael Buble. Hmm. And the, the lyrics are, birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me, and I'm feeling good. And then it's like the, you know, the band's like, that. Okay, I won't sing it. But <laughs> I think I think the, the interpretation of this, sadly, it kind of I might align with the Schopenhauerian idea of, hmm. you know like a bird i am unburdened by gravity you know like the sun i am unburdened by you know the the limitations of a small thing you know in Infra- happiness is just a negative emotion it's just the mm-hmm. the the elimination of all my all my incapacities
1: i mean i feel like the speaker is indifferent to the birds in the sky and like like she appreciates them but like is generally like not you know those aren't the source of desire they're just like an entity in the world that the speaker is appreciating mm-hmm.
0: but i think they're a metaphor you know they're a metaphor the bird flying high is a metaphor for my, my unburdened my feeling of being unburdened
1: what are the other verses
0: sun what? in the sky you know how i feel breeze drifting on by you know how i feel it's a new dawn it's a new day it's a new life and then later fish in the sea you know how i feel river running free you know how i feel blossoms on a tree you know how i feel
1: like yeah i guess the metaphor is probably present but like also like i think it's just like remarking on things that exist and appreciating them in their own right i mean i don't think it's a say enough to say that
0: it it, just this list of images is like you know an appropriate metaphor for happiness like birds are great birds Mm -hmm. in the sun and breeze and fish and rivers are great Mm -hmm. but the that Theme of images that isn't in itself a happy thing, you know.
1: Well, I think uh, it honestly, like this is a kind of like impressionistic lyric, which I admire a lot, but mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily lend itself to being dissected as like literature in the same sense that a book is, because like I mean, for me, this is like the Platonic ideal of like a pop music is like a mantra-like repetition that communicates an emotional truth without, mm-hmm. like, really being that dialectical about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that this lyric, it works so well as a lyric, as a form of, like, oral poetry, because it is, like, a like repetitive, like, mantra-like structure that creates an impression rather than communicating a point dialectically.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think that form, you know, the impressionistic form lends itself to uh, the theme of happiness better?
1: Hmm. No, I don't think it lends itself to any one theme better. I think it lends itself to the poetics of um, of music and of pop music lyrics. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I also think that part of why I admire this song is it has that like minor key like uh, Mm -hmm. flavor that. it prevents it from being just like a kind of like cliche it it subverts like the kind of like obvious sound you would expect for a song that is unironically about happiness yeah i mean perhaps if it is like schopenhauerian as you're insinuating then that would actually be like predictable Mm -hmm. but i think you get more out of it by interpreting it as a fully unironic song about happiness in its own right with like set to this minor key uh setting in order to, like, kind of, like, create a subversive and counterintuitive effect.
0: Mm -hmm. It's funny you say that, because my favorite Christmas song works the same way.
1: What's your favorite Christmas song?
0: Christmas Time. Do you know that one? By whom? I don't know, but it's, like, a chorus of children, and it, like, it's, like, in a minor key, and it sounds very sad. Have you heard it?
1: I'm... Wait, it's not the Paul McCartney one, is it? No, it, it just goes.
0: Christmas time is here. Happiness oh is yeah,
1: here. that one creeps. That one gives me the heebie-jeebies. I love that
0: one. I think I think the you know the, 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 the leaning into the sadness, the melancholy of Christmas time accentuates everything good yeah, about it's it. It's like
1: I think that like I love really uncomfortable art that is nonetheless like unironically like pro Uh whatever it's talking about that is just like you know without a trace of irony like i like i take it that that song is like unironically like pro christmas it's not like yeah attempting to destroy like the the mythos of christmas but rather to enrich it by probing Mm -hmm. the discomfort and the kind of uh bizarre qualities of it Uh So do you
0: think a song like like Pharrell's Happy fails to really be a happy song because it doesn't doesn't appreciate the sadness?
1: I mean, I think there are two conditions that I'm talking about for this kind of uh, pop lyricism, or like really just like pop songcraft in general, and it's the like a totally unironic take on it, a, a totally unironic affirmation of its subject matter, with a like counterintuitive and uncomfortable palette. Mm -hmm. and he has one of those conditions right yeah unless you unless you take happy by (laughs) pharrell to be like a big old meme or a deep like creepy subversion that he's trying to create like north korean style propaganda Uh in order to (laughs) to to
0: the whole nation
1: well i think it is incredibly alienating like and it's like a well-crafted song and everything Uh but it is like alienating you know if you like or say you're like a 40 year old, like going through a divorce and you're like sitting in waiting for your divorce uh, hearing or whatever. And like somewhere on the radio, someone's playing happy by Pharrell as you tear, tear, <laughs> yeah. tear your hair out. Like you can imagine why that would be so much more alienating yeah. than even, even than like feeling good. Like, because that has room for life that has room for the pluralities of human experience, even though it is like sincerely focusing on, one
0: Mm mm-hmm well on that note let's let's move into our uh, our questions our first question is from Yahoo Answers user Brody Bruce who asks can one learn to be content how can I be happy slash content with my life this is reticules but hoping to gain insight I'm a washed up has been actor Nobody famous, but had my 15 minutes. I work a job that I hate and make less money now than when I was still in college. I'm a graduate uh, as of 05. How can I be optimistic about today and tomorrow? I actually didn't read the body of this question. (laughs) (laughs) I only read Can one learn to be happy? Can one learn to be content? So it is interesting that he gives a little bit of little bit of context this uh mm-hmm. self-described washed up actor mm-hmm. do you think he can uh, learn to be happy or how does he do that
1: um i guess to elaborate on my position from earlier i believe that emotional states are very um fleeting and they're very ephemeral and they wash over you like waves with very little control on your part the only thing that you can do really is by expending a great effort you can absolutely make it worse (laughs) (laughs) so if you go out of your way to be happy i genuinely think that you will make yourself miserable in the process more often than not Mm -hmm. but if you you know there are going to be people that i just think are congenitally or circumstantially like cursed with misery and I think that not recognizing that basically amounts to placing, like, some kind of blame on them for their assorted condition.
0: But what would your advice to this guy be? Like, should he—so he, he definitely shouldn't go out and ask people how to be happy, because that will lead to misery, Is according to you.
1: I mean, he's asking—it's a fair question to ask, but I think the answer is, like, stop trying. Yeah. Nietzsche says, uh, man does not seek happiness— only the Englishman does that. <laughs>
0: that was my prepared quote! Wait, <laughs> what? No! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll,
1: we'll, we'll get to that later. later but...
0: <laughs> but, like, but like, w- wouldn't you say something like... Uh, like, focus on something else? You know, focus on... You know, this guy has already, apparent, I assume, tried really hard to be an actor. If he's, you know, put his heart and soul into that pursuit and didn't gain some kind of happiness, What what is his answer to that, you know? He already tried the indirect method of evaluation.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he tried to value acting in its own right, at least as it seems. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, you've stumped me, Cosmo. I, I've, uh...
0: I've got you. I can't disagree with someone who who doesn't even have an answer.
1: You, you've outwitted me <laughs> and long last I must admit that I do not know
0: uh, Nick, Nick has admitted that he does not know how to be happy
1: that I I recognize the conundrum you're facing me with mm-hmm. in this particular case study and I have nothing to say about yeah. the math I'm sure I, if I consider it I could come up with a clever answer but right for the time being you have me stumped
0: My my answer would be try again, you know, <laughs> okay, maybe not yeah, acting, that's, choose something that's else, right. like, like acting didn't work out, start, you know, maybe something more feasible that will it probably result in a job that you don't hate, try again, and, uh, see where it goes,
1: yeah, I agree with that, mm-hmm. we agree,
0: we agree, but what's the, I well, guess the question then is, what's the logical step after acting,
1: depends on what his talents is,
0: he doesn't have any talents he's an actor nick
1: <laughs> <laughs> then he should just become an economist or something i don't know
0: economist.
1: you know a profession that rewards people with no talent
0: i guess yeah yeah go play the stock market yeah either lose all your money and die or become a become rich
1: yeah i guess you gotta push it to the extreme at that point you know what do you have to lose
0: <laughs> no wait no he has so much to lose what his life his money, his job, even though he hates it.
1: Yeah, remind me, what's his job again?
0: I don't. He he doesn't say. He just said he hates it, and he makes less money than when he was in college, which is confusing.
1: Hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to talk to this guy. I feel like we have a lot in
0: common. Yeah. <laughs> you probably do. Well, we can move on to our next. Uh, our next one is from an anonymous muse- anonymous user nine years ago. Asked. What do you think heaven is like? Sometimes it upsets me a bit to think that we're all going to die one day. But if we're going to heaven and it exists, it would be great. Do you think you see all your friends and relatives there? Is it all peaceful and perfect? What do you think it's life like? And I mean, I chose this because, because of the, the conundrum of, you know, what it's, what, it, what it's like to imagine a perfectly happy place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 hard maybe impossible
1: oh i think it heaven is an eternity of Jimi hendrix xxx tentacion and um bob marley all jamming out in one epic concert (laughs) for all eternity
0: is it really them it's a is it their souls who went to or are you only experiencing
1: no there are only three musicians and they're uh they the who went to heaven and uh, all
0: the rest of of the musicians went to hell
1: no i don't uh, know i uh yeah that i feel like that is kind of like the pop culture image though it's just like all your favorite rock stars like jamming out for eternity like even though
0: they suck and are horrible people
1: yeah like (laughs) they're they're the ones in heaven but um i think that i've Thought about this a lot recently too, because it's honestly very counterintuitive to me to say that heaven is a place without suffering. I feel like it would be more dynamic if it did have suffering, and I feel like by its nature, it really would have to be beyond pleasure and suffering, so much so that those categories have become obsolete, and that you enter into the beatific vision, and it just becomes a perfectly like Mm -hmm. aesthetic and. uh, sustainable existence and that unsustainability is something like the unsustainability of happiness is something that we're uniquely cursed with on exile on earth Mm -hmm. but that it's something that um well happiness is constantly disintegrating it's constantly subjected to entropy but there is something beyond that a value beyond that that might be similar in some respects but is greater and ultimately like incomprehensible
0: so it is so so the form of heaven is similar to happiness but it is not happiness.
1: Right. I would say that that is probably because like happiness, like it's very grounded in like, I would argue like contingent, like psychological features of earthly existence. And that there is Mm -hmm. in the beatific vision, there is a kind of uh, overcoming of the very like uh, framework of like the meta of happiness.
0: Okay. So what, what that means is, when you supposedly get to heaven and you see uh, Jimi Hendrix and Marley and Tentacion jamming out, you know, although you feel a wave of happiness, you know you're in hell. And there will be some contraposto twist to uh, to show you that, you know... Yeah, you know,
1: there's... Um, I don't know if you know it, but there's a Twilight Zone yeah, episode. exactly. Uh, a nice place to visit, which I think, honestly the spoiler is like kind of it's, obvious yeah. if you know where it's going you know where it's going spoiler
0: alert for a 50 year old tv show
1: uh rosebud is citizen kane's sled <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the, the 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 episode is is it like a a
1: gambler or it's a is felon it, like he's it's, like it's shooting thief. at the cops or whatever he's yeah. like you don't ever catch me coppers and, he and then he loves they, the steal. They shoot him down and then he wakes up he's just like unscathed and uh there's like this this tubby guy that takes him around and he's just like well what is it you would like i can give you what you would like here here." he's like oh i wanna i i wanna (laughs) i want a girl who won't stop and fancy clothes and i'd like a car that goes over 80 miles per hour and like (laughs) and uh they um you know he gets everything he wants and after a few months he gets so sick of it and alienated and uh he's like you know what i want to go to hell and he says and the tubby guy that's been his guide says you are in hell yeah
0: Yeah. exactly if you're feeling happiness you know you're in a bad place (laughs) yeah speaking of heaven hell this is just a tangent people are always telling me i should watch the good place and I never will. Oh, I, I promise.
1: <laughs> I have hate watched The Good Place on occasion. Yeah. I um, it, it, like honestly, only like, I can only tolerate like three episodes, even like uh, ironically. But um, it, it's just like aesthetically, everything about it is so grating to me. Mm-hmm. Also, I heard someone spoiled the ending for me, and spoiler alert for a <laughs> two-year-old t-shirt t- TV show. So I guess ostensibly like they all like opt into their own annihilation at the end Mm. which proves the christian thesis that an afterlife without god would be so fundamentally meaningless that annihilation of the self would be the more irrational outcome
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: (laughs) so or or heaven without god is even so meaningless that yeah what do you think of that
0: heaven without god i mean i don't believe in god i mean in a very strict sense i'm not sure if it would be possible to exist without god i think my idea of god is so broad that it would be impossible to describe really describe an existence that didn't include him it her them
1: hmm yeah i just uh i guess the point that i'm trying to make is that unless everything is ordered teleologically towards an ultimate good that is like goodness itself, that is good by virtue of, like its very nature. Mm-hmm. Then, um, if it's not ordered to something like that, then all of the value is contingent, and then nihilism ultimately carries the day. Even if it is like this perfectly, like like kind community, like like you see in the Good Place, it mm-hmm. um, it's a, a creepy show. I uh, I'm not not a fan. <laughs>
0: You hear that? Every friend who has recommended The Good Place? Stop!
1: Stop. I won't. I I will resist your tyranny, and I oppose it.
0: Nick, could, you couldn't even resist it. You watched it ironically. No, <laughs> no, I couldn't
1: resist my will to turn it off. I yeah. was hate watching it, but I couldn't even follow, like carry on with it, because yeah. I honestly didn't even get that much ironic enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, okay, okay. Our our next question, I think, will really get down to brass tacks. It is from an anonymous user one decade ago. They ask, "Happy hour? What in the world is happy hour?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> I...
0: What's how happy hour, Nick? Four
1: thirty to five thirty.
0: Okay, I think I'm usually asleep at that time. P.M.? Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's my nap time.
1: Oh, you, you're into naps.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do naps.
1: I uh, I've probably had fewer than 20 naps in my adult life.
0: Damn, you're missing out. They're, they are extremely pleasurable. They
1: are really gratifying, you're right. Yeah. Every time I do it, I'm really into it. I'm like, yeah. I gotta get into this more.
0: Unless you fall asleep when it's light out and you wake up when it's dark out, that's literally the, one of the worst feelings in the world is waking really? up disoriented in the dark.
1: I actually liked it. I I think no. that there was like some like weird like event in my life that caused me to have to do that and I I mean it does you, you know you part you don't get your for, like your proper yeah. parting with the day but I actually kind of liked it. I don't know.
0: Well, I think happy hour is that period of time after you come and your mind is clear.
1: <laughs> You're going to cut that out. <laughs>
0: don't want that one in the (laughs) refractory clarity
1: do either of us want that (laughs) Uh, i
0: um
1: i believe that every hour is happy hour
0: mm.
1: no this is dumb i cut that out
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think happy hour is like a a three-course meal it takes a whole hour to eat
1: (laughs) (laughs) I um yeah I have nothing clever to say about this question I'm sorry I can't
0: <laughs> Well well happy hour is the time at a bar when they have just opened and they're trying to sell drinks so they make them cheap
1: yeah, it's, like, off hours, right? Like, it's yeah. just, like, they don't get a lot of traffic and so they have, like, promotional specials or whatever.
0: So do you think it's really happy or they're just calling it that as a promotional thing? It's,
1: like, depressed alcoholism hour would be more accurate.
0: So, oh, so it's really... it's No,
1: no, no, no I don't, I'm just... Is that your the line of thinking that you're pursuing? Or? No,
0: no, I'm just wondering, like... You know, is there any? I am validity? happy.
1: I well, for what it's worth, I'm not a. I'm not very keen on night drinking. I actually think that it's uh-huh. better to happen in daylight. Nothing good happens after like 11 p.m. Yeah. And uh, so I'm a big fan of happy hour as a concept because I think that the more the culture normalizes like light day drinking as opposed to night binge drinking, the yeah.
0: I ha- I have noticed that when I when I have an occasion to drink in the day. It's usually a pretty happy one.
1: Yeah, and you like you get to ride it out, you know, you ride it out and then you kind of ease gracefully into sleep and bliss.
0: Yeah. I do sleep and bliss is pretty happy. Uh this one is from Claire de Plume, level four. They ask, <clears throat> Why is your world wonderful? What makes your world wonderful?
1: Cosmo Hensman. <laughs>
0: You're too sweet. I think my you and your world would be less wonderful without me?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't Yeah, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have been born if not for my father Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh for giving birth to me.
0: You're welcome.
1: <laughs> I um No, I wouldn't be making this podcast right now. I would have been deprived of a lot of the great experiences that I know by virtue Mm -hmm. of being acquainted with the interiority of one extraordinary man.
0: Oh, thank you. Do you think it makes it less wonderful, the idea that if you weren't here, you might be doing something equally exciting?
1: Yeah, I would be in like Tajikistan right now, like finally like skydiving or like
0: consolidating
1: my power or... (laughs) yeah. (laughs) No, I mean I probably wouldn't. I would probably be like at home. Like I would probably be sleeping to be honest.
0: <laughs> at
1: 10:30? I work tomorrow.
0: Ah, a first working man. First day. He, an educator. Yes. Educating on the pod and then educating in our mosques. I'm
1: going I'm going to play uh the pod for the kids at the mosque and that's going to be their their history lesson of the day. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh. So what makes your world wonderful do you think do you think obviously I do do you think that it's it's the 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 novelties the relishes I'm wonderful for you because because i'm you know I'm not you i'm some someone who's very different
1: I think a lot of like the vividness of my interior life or of any human's interior epistemic state is Really superfluous. Like, there's honestly no, like, evolutionary, like, there's no real strong evolutionary reason for, like, the pure weirdness and, like, kind of, like, superfluous, like, poetic quality uh-huh. of our lives. It seems very arbitrary, and I feel like that is, like, downright miraculous. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, just went to the American Museum of Natural History for the second time uh, a couple days ago and every the both times that i've been there it's been a genuinely like spiritual experience to look Mm -hmm. into a wax figure of a water buffalo but to look at that and to just think that i am standing here on the same earth where something that looks exactly like that is just like you know roaming around the Mm -hmm. prairies like of africa like somewhere somewhere else and it's bizarre it's really bizarre to look at like the giant like sperm whale that they have suspended Mm -hmm. from the ceiling and to think like this thing is like out there while i'm standing here like you know me the like homo sapien like and the um it's so bizarre and spectacular i mean it does genuinely feel miraculous and i think it's just like those superfluous moments of extreme beauty that... Or it doesn't even have to be beauty. Like, even, like, the California condor is, like, hideous and kind of <laughs> grotesque-looking. Uh-huh. But that also has a certain majesty to it that's completely superfluous.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I, I... I agree in some respects, but I think I... I, I take it an in opposite interpretation to what actually makes it wonderful. I think, you know, that, the, that absurdity and bizarreness is really great, but it's really consistency that enables us to feel wonder in the world, you know Mm. I am happiness when I do the same thing every day when I eat the same thing every day you know, and hang out with the same people and in that extreme consistency I am able to appreciate the little very absurd things much more, you know if my life was totally random and beautiful and absurd I wouldn't even really see it that way. It would just be so stressful and uh, and jarring.
1: Hmm. There's um. There's a G.K. Chesterton quote that I want to pull up that uh, that kind of seems to convey the same message as yours. So this is the form of a, a dialogue between a poetic uh, cop. He's basically like the British equivalent of like the FBI, like he's in counterterrorism and stuff, Mm -hmm. and a red-haired, chaotic (laughs) uh, anarchist. And it begins with the anarchist saying, I was waiting for you. Might I have a moment's conversation? And he says, certainly. About what? Gregory stuck out his lamp at the light post and then the tree about this and this he cried about order and anarchy there is your precious order that lean iron lamp ugly and barren and there is anarchy rich living reproducing itself there is anarchy splendid in green and gold all the same replied sime patiently just at present you only see the tree by the light of the lamp i wonder when you would ever see the lamp by the light of the tree then after a pause, he said, but may I ask if you've been standing out here in the dark only to resume our little argument? So the anarchist says, why do all the clerks and navvies in the railway trains look so sad and tired, so very sad and tired? I will tell you, it's because they know the train is going right. It is because they know that whatever place they have taken a ticket for, that place they will reach. It is because they have... After they have passed the Sloan Square, they know that the next station must be Victoria, and nothing but Victoria. Oh, their wild rapture! Oh, their eyes like stars and their souls again in Eden! If the next station were unaccountably Baker Street. It is you who are unpoetical, replied the poet Syme. If what you say of the clerks is true, they can only be as prosaic as your poetry. The rare strange thing is to hit the mark. The gross obvious thing is to miss it. We feel it is epical when man with one wild arrow strikes a distant bird. Is it not also epical when man with one wild engine strikes a different station? Chaos is dull, because in chaos, the train might indeed go anywhere, to Baker Street or to Baghdad. But man is a magician, and his whole magic is in this, that when he does say Victoria, and lo, it is Victoria. No, take away your books of mere poetry and prose. Let me read a timetable with tears of pride. Take your Byron, who commemorates the defeats of man, give me Bradshaw, who commemorates his victories. Give me Bradshaw, I say. Every time a train comes in, I feel that it has broken past batteries of besiegers, and that man has won a battle against chaos. You say contemptuously that when one has left Sloane Square, one must come to Victoria. I say that one might do a thousand things instead, and that whenever I really come there, I have a sense of a hairbreadth's escape. And when I hear the guard shout out the word Victoria, it is not an unmeaning word. It is to me the cry of a herald announcing conquest. It is to me indeed Victoria. It is the victory of Adam. What is there poetical about being in revolt? You might as well say that it is poetical to be seasick. Being sick is a revolt. Both being sick and being rebellious may be the wholesome thing on certain desperate occasions, but I'm hanged if I can see why they are poetical. Revolt in the abstract is revolting. It's mere vomiting. (laughs) If things go right, that is poetical. Our digestions, for instance, going sacredly and silently right—that is the foundation of all poetry. Yes, the most poetical thing, more poetical than the flowers, more poetical than the stars. The most poetical thing in the world is not be being sick. Mm. What do you make of that? Is that what you were trying to insinuate? Yeah, or? I think
0: I think exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. The the beautiful thing is not. The, the the train going randomly to any station, but to the station we say it does.
1: Right, because the arbitra- the arbitrariness of it is completely without positive value. It doesn't really assert anything to just like have everything kind of like in this like thermodynamic soup of, like, uh, chaos. Yeah, and I think that that is kind of like the backdrop of our universe is everything's tendency to degenerate into like a entropy, mm-hmm. and the converse of that when there is like some exceptional order that miraculously like places itself in this world constantly decaying and constantly entering into more advanced states of em- entropy that is really like the poetic and extraordinary thing Mm-hmm. So when I talk about the superfluousness of so many of these aesthetic experiences, that doesn't mean the randomness of it. That doesn't yeah. mean that it doesn't have like a teleological purpose, but that the vividness of it, like, and our appreciation of that, like, I honestly don't see like a purely naturalistic need for that. Mm-hmm. So would you
0: say like, you know, you enjoyed, say, see- seeing the animals in the museum more because they're in the museum? Like, like, is there a difference there in the? the randomness of seeing them in nature versus you someone tells you there's a a whale in the museum and then you go and you see it
1: i don't know i've never seen a whale but i i can imagine that i think part of the museum experience and part of what makes it so spiritual is the full scope of it that you genuinely are like getting like barraged with so many like uh like bizarre like facts about the world and things mm-hmm. that exist and like pluralities of experience and being that um you, you, to take it on all, all at once is very overwhelming and one can only humble oneself before it that's
0: yeah yeah
1: but yeah i i totally agree with you that um i think that stricture and order is really like necessary in order to be meaningful in any sense and that to just, like, see, like, chaos unfold, like, it can have a certain cathartic aspect to it, but I don't think it can ever really posit anything, and it can't posit its own value or the value of anything else.
0: Mhm. I agree.
1: Wow. I don't have a good response. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed the, the lengthy passage that I've...
0: I did. Chose. I'll cut some of it out. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can move on to the real question.
1: All right, let's hear it.
0: It's by Dylan P.S., the real thinker. Uh, it's hard to say how to word this, but the first... There are, it, it is preceded by seven question marks. So imagine seven question marks and then all caps. How to be funny? Not creepy. Funny. Not weird. Funny. Not annoying. Funny. Spontaneous, on the spot, hilarious. Okay, thanks. I think he succeeded.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say you sentence. made him laugh. That was uh, <laughs> yeah. He made you laugh. That's not nothing. Yeah. I don't know. It's really hard though because it is something that like if someone's earnestly asking for advice in this respect, it might be impossible. I honestly have very little to tell them except you have the magic touch or you don't. I mean, I think like socializing and like being socialized is really key to like picking up on the cues that are key for humor. So I think you can uh, just become more familiar with that. But no, I don't think like like it really is like you know it's something that you have to feel. It's not really something that you can systematically catalog.
0: I disagree. I think I mean if there's if there's one thing I have learned from taking college creative writing classes it's that there are some objective things you can do to make your writing better Uh, like like
1: poop and pee and yeah insert (laughs) yeah (laughs) underpants exactly
0: i mean you can learn a joke and you can just practice the timing such that you do it exactly how a comedian formulated it and that'll be funny
1: I mean, I think you can invent, like, a, a witty thing to say, perhaps. But, you know, the someone, like, what do you think of someone that, like, goes to a party and he just goes, like, hey, knock, knock. And, you know, actually, like, does, like, a knock, knock joke on you. like. But
0: knock, knock jokes aren't even funny to begin with. Right. You know? if But if they hear something he, they think is funny and just repeat it verbatim, It's better than doing nothing.
1: Yeah, but if it seems like someone's doing a bit, I feel like that's kind of alienating. Oh, you haven't
0: seen my bits. You haven't (laughs) seen my funny bits.
1: (laughs) You've seen mine, and I know you're not too keen on them. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You got some good impressions. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I I think that the thing is, like, humor is, by its nature, non-parochial.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: That if you are really like locked into a certain model for understanding the world and cannot see past that model, you will not be very perceptive of humor and Mm -hmm. being parochial is really just being obsessed with your own models to the point of not really being able to get around them. So if someone so I think that that is a very systematizing tendency. And um, I mean, people who think like that can be unintentionally funny, but like, they're not really like, uh, in a good position to appreciate humor because the humor lies in disrupting that paradigm that they're using. So
0: then the answer to how to be funny is is be open-minded and, like, appreciate how say things seem from other yeah, people's just, perspectives. Yeah, I think
1: you, it really is crucial to, like, see outside of your model for understanding a given situation or, like, you know, stick with it as long as it's useful, but also, like, consider, like an alternative paradigm for viewing that situation
0: yeah so uh just walk a mile in someone else's shoes go live in a different country that's funny (laughs) (laughs) I think I think my answer to this is exactly the same answer to the uh the great mind question and it's just you know watch someone who you think is really funny and do exactly what they do
1: yeah so you also uh on some of those nights you pull out a big knife and then pull <laughs> no. up your shirt and you salute the emperor not a <laughs> fake suicide bad bit <laughs> it might have been funny the first time
0: i haven't i haven't seen anyone laugh yet <laughs> who do you think is funny
1: hmm. honestly charles manson
0: <laughs> he's not intentionally funny
1: he has a very unusual charisma. I mean, when you see, like, the because, like, like, his interviews, like, they really do just have, like, this off-the-wall energy. Like, mm-hmm. you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. It's very yeah. off-the-wall. It's He's not parochial. He is completely, like... I think that because his paradigms are so unstable for, like, personal reasons, mm-hmm. um, he um, had a certain, like, screwball, like, chaotic uh, humor humorous energy that it is legitimately like um mesmerizing and it makes me laugh like a few other things
0: yeah it yeah it's a bad bad example because it makes my advice really bad <laughs> do not do not do what charles manson does maybe it maybe practice your your wild facial expression so you cannot <laughs> Do some of those by that. But everything else on the Manson front becomes much less funny when you do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you know, he was, um, he, he's, a uh, one of the greatest success stories of how to win friends and influence people. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, when he was in, in prison for like carjacking in the sixties before everything, he took a seminar on Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people <laughs> and he says that he used the insights to create the manson family cult and to (laughs) manipulate people into committing unspeakable murder
0: gosh and he he influenced people so hard i
1: know and it's honestly such a good testimonial for like if you want to argue like the merit of the book and its effectiveness that is honestly the best testimonial and it's one that they can never use
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i mean they can't use it because it's actually a bad testimonial like it's Oh, this book is well, actually just about how to manipulate people. I mean, it's effective, but it's toxic. It's not like winning friends. It's controlling people's minds.
1: Like, if they could brazenly market a book like this is how to control people's minds, it would be a hit.
0: They No, they could do that. That's all, you know, Pick Up Artist's shtick is. Right. And they market it that way.
1: And it works for them. But yeah. How to win friends and influence people will never use that as.
0: Because it's not actually winning friends times. or influence. It is influencing people, but in like the worst kind of <laughs> way. <laughs> well, how to be funny, be like Charles Manson.
1: Yep. I, I uh, endorse his actions and his sense of humor.
0: Didn't he write for The Beach Boys?
1: Yeah, it's uh, Never Learn Not to Love. It's a pretty good song, actually.
0: That seems like a, a weirdly positive sentence sentiment for a horrible man
1: yeah well the thing is like the beach boys actually didn't credit him and that like really uh, pissed him off
0: wow
1: he was uh he had a huge bone to pick
0: ruined his he um he
1: showed up at one of the one of the beach boys he showed up at his, like, daughter's birthday party or something when they were still friends.
0: Oh, no. And
1: he had two bullets in the palm of his hand. And he said, while you're standing here, just remember how much you like your pretty little family and your pretty little life.
0: Oh, my God. And just
1: remember that. And something to that effect. <laughs> and I think it ended with Van Dyke Parks fighting him.
0: Wow. This is going a bad direction for the happiness episode. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it was
1: Dennis Wilson. Dennis Wilson had him on the ground and was just, like, kicking the crap out of him after he made this, like, horrible comment. Wow.
0: Well, we're it supposed was... to be talking about happiness. <laughs> Not, a uh, you know, red flags for serial killers. Right, back
1: to topic. When are we ever on topic, though?
0: I know. Well, we can move on to our Nietzsche clo- quote closer.
1: Okay, let's hear it i already know what it is (laughs) you
0: spoiled it it's number 12
1: if you have
0: your why for life you can get by without almost any how humanity does not strive for happiness only the english do
1: (laughs) (laughs) i love this one (laughs) I think this kind of echoes what I was saying at the very beginning, and that I've kind of been returning to—that you know, happiness is not the end in itself. Mm-hmm. I think this is you know, the the jab at the English is like a sly critique of the utilitarians, and
0: yeah, you're so you're saying the 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 why the so for for all people the just the the why of living comes way before happiness.
1: Uh, maybe not descriptively, but I think it has to, like, normatively, like, it's...
0: Yeah, because I would... not I think if you asked people, most people what they want, the most popular answer for their ultimate goal would just to be happy.
1: Hmm. But I think that people recognize, like, a moral value to things that is apart from their own happiness.
0: So they're, ju- they're just wrong about saying, oh, I want to be happy?
1: Um... I mean, I guess they do sincerely value it, but they recognize that it is not the end in itself. Uh-huh. Right, because if you could just get rid of all your moral scruples and, like, be happy by, like, committing an unspeakable crime, like, most people would be like, well, no, and it's like, but you'll be happy for the rest of your life. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like, what it, you brought this up at an, another episode, but the concept of, like, the beautiful utopian city resting on like a child being tortured Uh uh-huh
0: yeah even though they know they're happy well i think this this would like bring it back to like the 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 aristotelian idea of happiness which is like eudaimonia it's the harmony with all things which i think actually is kind of descriptive of a lot of people's idea today of happiness because it's like being happy also necessarily includes being happy with my choices, you know? I have to be in harmony with the things around me, not just feel pleasure a
1: bunch. Right.
0: What does it mean to get by without any how? Like, just living in this darkness where I know what I want, and I have no idea how to get it, and that's enough for me? I'd rather... But I think
1: he's saying that the how is uh, expendable, right? That you can tolerate... He says you can tolerate any how... If can you repeat it?
0: Well what I said or the
1: or the thing. The quote. If you have your why
0: for life, you can get by with almost any how. Humanity does not strive for happiness. Only the English do.
1: Right. You if you have like an ulterior purpose that you've decided to stake everything for, then I think you have an incredible capacity to tolerate changes in subjective hedonic conditions
0: the subjective hedonic conditions what do you mean
1: of your life of your pursuit of that end Mm-hmm. because people really do go through intense misery for an end they've designated yeah and fairly yeah. often you know
0: so the anyhow is just like choosing to be in pain perhaps yeah yeah choosing to suffer mm-hmm. for this end yeah you ever suffer for your ends every day how do you suffer you don't suffer.
1: (laughs) you know sometimes i can't reach the remote control (laughs) sometimes i have to go to the bathroom but i don't want to stand up
0: sometimes i go out but people say you have to shower
1: sometimes my some days my butt itches really bad (laughs)
0: Yeah, but I wouldn't be happy without that butt itch.
1: Nope, I think it's honestly, you know, to paraphrase Nietzsche, the butt itch implores go.
0: (laughs) Reaching for the remote implores go.
1: I have another Nietzschean epigram that came to mind on topic. Yeah? What is happiness? The feeling that power is growing, that resistance is overcome. I'll be upfront with you. I learned that one from Civilization Four. <laughs> that's
0: a good. That's a good one.
1: It, it's a real uh, Chad epigram. I don't really know if there's that much to unpack. But what's your take?
0: I mean, I I don't know. I mean, maybe he's right. I I, I think he's only right in the sense that he agrees with Schopenhauer. Mm-hmm. You know, but the growing power, I don't. I really, I don't really see how that is like. I feel happy when it's Christmas time or when I'm eating a, a good meal. I don't, I, it's hard to interpret how my power is growing in those moments.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess your power to reconcile yourself with your surroundings, perhaps, by yeah. just like feeling satisfied with Christmas, it means that your surroundings have come into harmony with your interior being.
0: Yeah. To be fair, uh, feeling good is a very powerful song you know when i listen to it it feels like it's not just about it does feel like happiness is inexorable inexorable with power Mm -hmm. in that case you know Hmm. i'm one with the birds i'm one with the river i'm strong like the sun that's my happiness i doubt nina Nina simone is a Nietzschean, (laughs) but uh you know think the song goes that bl- that way
1: well that's a nice thought yeah i uh are you ready to wrap up or
0: yeah i do think for uh, happiness by pharrell is one of the least powerful songs happy, happy. by pharrell extremely unpowerful oh
1: i think it has a power but it is of a dark and uh, <laughs> like, uh, uh, occult variety
0: extremely dark power it's the wrong kind of oh happiness. yeah
1: happiness by pharrell yeah. i mean it's a well-crafted song. I have to admire it because it really does plumb the depths of the human psyche and
0: <laughs> it's absolute dysdymonia. <laughs> it's it's disharmony with all all that is in the world.
1: Like there are stories about like the um the CIA like using music to torture people or like even like the military like I think when um Manuel Noriega was in Panama and the US invaded they they besieged his compound or his mansion or whatever. And they were just playing rock music and pop music at deafening volumes. Mm-hmm. And I'm imagining if they did that with happy by Pharrell, yeah, which did not be... exist in the nineties, but that really, you think, I, you think I'm joking when I say that, no, that is, I believe, has I, a perverse, demonic I remember reading power like the list but... of
0: songs that they used. And it was like, it was like the repetition titious pop songs. Right. Yeah. Well, on a, on that decidedly happy note, I guess we can uh, we can wrap up. You can check out our YouTube page, Haeology, G Y
1: You can find me on Twitter if you feel so compelled, at n j d o l i n g e r. That's at n j dolinger.
0: And if you, this is not a requirement. I promise you, this is only if you even slightly desire (laughs) to. You can have a great week. See you next week.
1: And oh wait wait wait, we should. uh, If you want to submit questions, oh if you want to submit questions, suggest topics for future episodes. uh, You
0: can email me at. Oh, no. (laughs) It's impossible to pronounce. Shalther1 at gmail.com is the email I have right now. That's S-H-A-L-T-H-E-R-1. Shalther1 at gmail.com.
1: Or you can just DM us on Twitter.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That'd probably be easier. Find us on Facebook. Just kidding. We don't have a Facebook for that. We could. Anyways, have a great week. Thank you for joining me, Nick.
1: All right. Thank you for having me. This
0: has been... We Disagree.